and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Deb Aoki, Christopher Woodrow Butcher, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, David Brothers. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. And I read that perfectly for the first time in a while for, my, I think, my first episode hosting this season, possibly. We're recording these out of order, so I don't know when anything's happening anymore. But welcome back. This is season four. Even though we keep saying three and or four, we're kind of we're committing to four now. I say we commit to five. I was already speeded along. Four, but yeah. <laughs> but we are gathered here today to discuss Under Ninja by Kango Hanazawa, published by Denpa, D-E-N-P-A Publishing, based out of Portland, Oregon. They're one of my favorite manga publishers. And I actually have several ways I want to pitch this book. Not several. It's like two. But first is I actually saw Under Ninja on our last trip to Japan together when we went to the coldest place on earth and also a bunch of like bookshops and toy shops and things like that. There was a point when I was hanging out with friends of the podcast, Jared and Christine, who you can find on Twitter as at Tuffage, T-O-U-P-H-A-G-E, and at One Crispy, O-N-E-C-H-R-I-S-P-Y. Please go listen to their music and buy their comics. We were hanging out. And also, Chris, put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Done. We were in a Don Quixote, which is a store that, as near as I can tell, sells sex toys, books, and t-shirts. And, like, that's it. <laughs> and we were browsing the, you know, incredibly impressive art book section. There were art books from the, the Trigger artists, for example. I think Promare had just come out that year, possibly. And I saw this book called Under Ninja. And I was like, that's weird. And I looked at it, and I could tell it was something I would be into. But I didn't have the... Still don't have, actually, the Japanese reading ability to just pick it up and, like, you know, tell if it was really my bag or not. So I was like, you know, I hope this gets licensed one day. I showed it to my friends. They thought it looked cool, too. And then one day, Dinpa announces they're going to publish it on Twitter. I was like, wow, that makes perfect sense. Because Ed Chavez, the boss at Dinpa, is also the boss at Vertical, another publisher we've talked a lot about here on the podcast. It sort of helped solidify my taste in manga. Hmm. Basically, I did like the sickos.jpg laugh when I saw that they'd taken it. <laughs> I was like, this is definitely going to be up my alley. And it's by Kengo Hanazawa, who is a creator who I originally bounced off of with I Am a Hero, which everyone loved. I think Deb has spoken pretty highly of it, published by Dark Horse. It's essentially a really well-drawn and stirringly emotional zombie apocalypse story. Is that fair to say? It poses the question of what would a zombie apocalypse be like? If most people didn't have gums, and that's Japan. Uh, gums, yeah. <laughs> guns, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and I read it. I was working at the zombie factory that was Image Comics at the time. So I had enough of zombies. And I was just, I couldn't get into the book. I was like, this looks cool, but like, I'll come back to it later. So I was excited to get a chance to see what Hanazawa was going to be up to in this volume. And to my delight, it is, well, the back cover copy will explain exactly why I like this kind of book. Headline, the original Special Defense Forces. Ninjas enjoyed glory in the Japan of bygone times. They disappeared when their organizations were dissolved during the country's allied occupation of Japan. However, their existence continued in secret. Some say that their ranks numbered 200,000 members. Among these, elite ninjas covertly deal with crises at a national level. On the other hand, marginal members found work hard to come by. One of these ninjas between jobs was Kuro Kumogakure. And essentially, it's sort of like damage control for ninja stories, if you're a comic book fan. 
<laughs> where it takes this really hyped and like fantastic thing and makes it as mundane as possible. And it ends up still being moving and interesting and pretty funny, hopefully. Well, I guess we're actually going to find out whether or not any of that is true <laughs> right here along explaining this evening. So let's start with Christopher. Yes, sir. What did you think of Under Ninja? I also have been waiting forever for Kengo Hanazawa to have a book sort of come out in English. And I also was super excited about I'm a Hero and then did not read it. It just, it landed and I started reading it. I think, I think it was still while I had access to like physical volumes of manga at the, the, the shop. Mm-hmm. And I started reading it and I was like, okay, yeah, okay. And it and offered a unique twist on a zombie manga, but I just, as compelling and interesting as I found it, when it came out, I think I was just a little burned out on zombies. I think a lot of people were. Dark Horse published that in English, by the way, in a big, big, chunky omnibus volumes. Two-in-ones, right? Yeah. I think two-in-ones? Yeah. Yeah. And it, quite a few of them. I don't know if it's still in print. Dark Horse is terrible at keeping their books in print. Let's just be honest. So, yeah, we'll have to check that out. I'll put that in the show notes if you can actually buy it. But a number of Hanazawa's previous works had actually been published in French and weren't available in English. And it was just sort of a, a weird thing that he wasn't getting translated. So yeah, Under Ninja is kind of my first real exposure to his work without bias. And it also follows a trend of us not reading the book that the author is the most famous for, but instead reading like the one afterwards, which is a very manga explaining thing. Yeah. We're still missing a lot of the hits if you go back and look at our episodes. All of this is to say literally nothing about the book. It's just all filler. It's just all filler. It's all context. That's what we yeah. call that in criticism. So what did I what did I think? I actually totally loved it. I totally loved this book. And I will say, it's one of those books that I started out reading it for the podcast and maybe 50 pages in, I was reading it for fun. Uh, that doesn't happen always. It just wow. really transported me into what it was doing. It's not like it's some like, majestically realized fantasy or anything like that it is uh straightforward it's got it's got some good high concept conceits but much like i'm a hero and the walking dead this book could have been an image book like this book image could have published this like the day it came out it is the most high concept like everyday kind of a thing and i'm glad dempa did i'm glad dempa jumped on it yeah i i really like i could i could dig into the things that i loved about it in particular but man, it's just like a real cracking page turner kind of a situation pretty much all the way throughout. Not a lot of not a lot of drag. Like I I burned through it. In fact, I actually didn't read it a second time for the podcast like I wanted to. And I made the conscious choice. I'm like, no, you're not gonna ruin this nice reading experience <laughs> by going back and forcing yourself to read do do a close read for the podcast. So we're playing a little loose this week. Playing a little loose with this book. But yeah, I had a good time. I love it. Got reaction butcher. It's really funny you said that about reading it for fun 50 pages in because I, this is no joke. I actually just edited the moment in our Rose of Versailles podcast where yeah. you mentioned that you didn't finish the book this time around because you realized you were reading it for the podcast instead yeah. of reading it for fun and that you didn't want that to kind of alter your perception of the book, I think. I, like This is going to be a thread, I think, this season, but I find that when I get to... This is some inside baseball for you, among explaining wonks that listen every week. When I get to, by the time I get to the show notes, I've read the book all the way through three times, and it lessens my enjoyment of doing the show notes and working on it. 
And I kind of want to have that like freshness when I get to that portion still, because these are great works, you know what I mean? And like beating them into submission to write two to 6,000 words about them every week doesn't seem like the best, healthiest relationship <laughs> to have with these books. So, so yeah, I had a, I had a, I had a good read with that. And Rose of Versailles is uh, another one where I know that when I have to go back and read it again from the show notes to be able to pull out images that we're talking about or sequences that we're talking about, things like that. I know I'm just going to end up reading the rest of the book because once I start getting, you know, get start getting into it again. Yeah. It's, it happens with everything that we do. I just want to like read it all or sometimes even read further ahead. So Chainsaw Man was like that where it was just like, oh, right. I got to the, cause Deb mentioned something in volume two, which wasn't technically part of the homework. And then I read all of volume two again from that point on, just cause it was, it was a page turner. Right. And that's what yeah. you want. I think in, not every manga, but definitely in something like this, which is like very pop culture and very like edgy and now. Cool. And Deb, what did you think about Under Ninja? Did it also transport you to a place where you feel it's better than Rose of Versailles, like Christopher just said? <laughs> it it was delightful in this in the fact that it was almost the exact 180 of the dial from Rose of Versailles, right? Yeah. It's it is basically a little distracting in its photorealism. He draws everything from photo reference, but what it conveys is rather than a stylized manga, anime, you know, propulsiveness or comicalness, mm. it conveys like this mundaneness <laughs> that makes the mm. events of what's happening that much more, I don't know, interesting. Or I felt like the first part, the first couple of chapters were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninjas are amongst us. They have shitty jobs. Okay, okay. I get it. I get it. And then around the middle, when you got this part where all of a sudden the, the crabby neighbor who has the beer says, I've never stolen panties, but for the life of me, I'm wearing this girl's bra. And it's like, <laughs> 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 like, I did a spit take on that one. And then there was the part where like the old man and the, the older scraggly looking man in the, in the playground chasing kids going, drink breast milk. And then he has a breast yeah. milk out in his hand. And then later on, as he's talking uh, to the other guy who's like a, I don't know, Kuroneko Yamato delivery guy, he's pumping more milk out of his <laughs> breast. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell's going on here? And then at the end, like a little a bird pops out of his head, like like a chick, like his head, his hair is just an unruly nest. So that's when it was like, oh, it, it, it became more, I don't know, whimsical. <laughs> <laughs> or just mm. like ridiculously like absurd yeah. that I thought, okay, this is fun. I mean, it's leading mm. up to something and it's, you know, we talked about the, it, the image-ness of it all, right? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't read a lot of image comics. Sorry, I don't have the time or the money. But this has a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's all that grim, dark shit. Like there's there's people slicing their heads off and... You know, there's SWAT teams and all kinds of crazy ass shit, but the crazy ass shit is sometimes funny. <laughs> I think that's, that's why Image it. came and back and because they realized you could have violence and humor at the same time. Hence, mm -hmm. sex criminals. Oh, yeah. Ah. I've heard of it. Yeah. I would love, that's really interesting, actually. And yet they haven't done much of that since. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, they nice. try every once in a while, but yeah, it doesn't work. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
because sometimes it just feels forced and that's kind of why i bounced off this a little bit like i didn't actually mm-hmm. find a lot of the kind of the weird jokey things in this to be funny okay really and i don't I, yeah i'm trying to figure out why like i bounced off quickly with the art i hated it <laughs> like i just found i just found the the computer photo stuff just really really jarring so many spots it's so poorly done that i'm just like oh like why like step back and like see where your tangents are and why this perspective doesn't work and like like so so on an art level it kind of like it kept poking at me mm-hmm. the women especially poked at me like i feel like <laughs> i feel like this artist like used himself and their buddies but doesn't have any women friends so just like took photos of his buddies and poses and then tried to draw a woman's face and was like, Oh no, this isn't, this isn't working at all. <laughs> I appreciate the time put into it. Like clearly they want to tell stories and this is their, their way to do it. Like, I mean, I use photo reference and all sorts of cheats and like illustrators since the beginning of time have done that. So I can't fault them for it, but when it's so dead on the page i think i i really kind of bounce bounce off of it it for some reason just reminded me of like i remember chuck austin yeah yeah world watch and u.s war machine yeah 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 war machine reminded me of war machine <laughs> which he did like i think entirely with computers back in like the early 2000s and it's just like everything's yeah. just super stiff and weird i kind of had a bit of that feel here and also i, I might be burnt out on slacker stories hmm so that that's that might be part of it. Yeah, yeah. Is that a manga explaining thing or just a general lifetime thing? Might just be a general lifetime thing. I, I, I suspect if I went to volume two on this, my feeling might change. Because mm-hmm. like towards the end, like there were some interesting bits dropped here and there, like the the weird Russian guy. But again, like, oh I've got to chop off penises. Oh shocking. <laughs> so weird. But but there was something there that I'm like, I still kinda wanna know more about what's happening in this world and these characters, like uh, I think a, a volume two for me would have, would have helped a lot. I, I also, I was probably just in a really bad place when I was reading this and I tried to go back and reread it. And I'm like, do you ever have that where like, you're in a bad place when you first read something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then you go to reread it, but it's already been tainted by that first time. Yeah. yeah. So, like I'm going through, I'm just like, yeah, okay. I can kind of see it, but like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Like you need enough space between them to like, forget the bad vibes from the first go round. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I think I just need to like, Take a couple of months away from Under Ninja. <laughs> Stop trying to reread it, and then just jump into Volume Two, and just kind yeah. of let that let that take me away. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I think this is this is definitely a me thing. Clearly, since all three of you quite liked it, maybe I bounced off the image of it. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> It's funny. I, I actually, your your comment on the art. We read this in really close proximity to Goodnight Pun Pun, which is also mm. like drenched in photo ref. But Ennio Asano, I think, is maybe just perfect at integrating photo ref and then like cartooning and characterization. Whereas like this does have a three D modely kind of kind of yeah. feeling to a lot of the characters and like light sources and things like that. But mm. I actually love it like i feel like it's so steeped in like everyday tokyo that all of that all the photo ref is just like it's like the whole thing actually exists because it's also a ludicrous premise right like yeah it's these ninjas that are wandering around in like hoodies and like you know living in shitty little you know apartments i don't mind the environments i think the environments are great like i think 
Mm-hmm. I think that's where computer stuff really excels. Like oh, for the listeners, I write Daredevil for Marvel Comics, and the artist Sorry, you, on Daredevil? that title, Mark. Yeah, yeah, it's a Netflix show. Oh, sorry, Disney Plus. The artist on that, Marco Caquero, does really beautiful figures. And his backgrounds are all computer. Like, they're yeah. all done in SketchUp or whatever, dropped in a lot of filters and smoke and, like, dirty stuff. And it works. It can really work, especially for backgrounds, because backgrounds are generally dead anyways. Like, a building or a car is a mechanical thing with a lot of straight lines. So having that be computer, I think, is fine. But yeah, like, so I'm looking at our copy here and like page 15, oh, yeah. where he's, he's kind of like, he's kind of lying down flat on the, the ground. Like the way that foot touches the table drives me crazy. The way his head touches that line drives me crazy. Like there's so many like things like that where I'm just like, like you could have moved a line. You could have done something like the tangents of it. Uh, yeah. The mustache yeah. and the Tommy mat also perfectly line up in two places, actually. Yeah, so it's, it's stuff like that where it's like, it's like when you have, and I get it because like again, I use like I use computers and I use reference, and sometimes if you just go and just draw it straight from a photo, like a photo can be like, a photo can be wrong, a photo can be like, oh yeah, the, you're this lined up with that, and the perspective of this is too forced, but no one ever questions the photo and says the photo's wrong because, I, I, sorry, another tangent on tangents. <laughs> I remember when I was in illustration school, one of our teachers talked about like he, he does did a lot of like portraits for like Entertainment Weekly stuff like that, and he said the the problem with illustration versus photos is when the photo doesn't look like the celebrity, nobody notices or cares because because it's know. still them. It's still them, yeah. right? Like if it's if it's Brad Pitt and he's at a weird angle or whatever, or like his hair is kind of different, like nobody notices. But in illustration, like it's got to look just like them or people would be like what who is that yeah but the photo you can get away with it and and so i think that's one of the tricks in taking your work from a computer and photo reference and putting it into comics is like you have to you have to ask yourself more questions as you do it or else like you'll end up with the weird tangents or characters not quite working in the environment so there's a lot of stuff like that i find in here that kind of throws me off i think the environments are great i think again like computers are great for environments it's the people and the way people interact that sometimes doesn't work. I have a, I have a quick anecdote. I have a friends. Obviously, we all have friends who work in the comics industry, but they're working on a licensed pro- property. Yeah, it's enemies that work in the comic industry. And a, a friend was working on a licensed property where the actor, it was based on real people, the actor had image approval on anything that was drawn <laughs> to look like them. I remember and this 100%. And they were sending they were sending an art and the actor was rejecting it and rejecting it. It's like it looks just like them. And they're like, they don't want it to look just like them. They want it to look like them as the character. And that's like the biggest like mind feel kind of a statement that you can possibly say. Cause it's like, we're tracing photos of this person. And it's like they didn't like that photo of them. So they actually had to clean up the illustration make it less accurate and make it look kind of more more anime more manga anime because it was like in a fantastic property and then the author was like yeah why didn't your actor was like yeah why didn't you do this in the first time this is great you make me look like this in every panel <laughs> so they actually stopped drawing the likeness like they were told by the editorial staff to try and get it accurate they were just making them look good even though it was like pushing it into a cartoony sort of a direction which i thought was yeah. 
fascinating. But yeah, licensed licensed comics are insane. I actually like the environments less than you, maybe, hearing you talk about them like that. I find them too clean. Going back to your page 15 example, and then page 71 is maybe even an better one. These environments are just way, way too clean for what they are. Like the, the apartment that I stay in in Tokyo is like as old and kind of decrepit as this. And like, there's got, there should be a lot more knocks in like, this would be messier. There'd be more marks on the wall. You know what I mean? <laughs> and especially if you zoom in, like that bookshelf is like way too even for something made out of planks and, and, and bricks, you know? So I, I see what you're saying, and I think the environments are are realized enough to like get the point across of what's happening and where they are. Even the cans should be like a little bit more more banged up, mm-hmm. but I find it all too clean on its own. But then when you actually like have those characters in it that also look a little bit you know 3D model based or whatever, it's all of a piece, and your eye sort of glazes over it in a good comics way. Like it's not. It is just detailed enough and just interesting enough to set a scene, but it's not so detailed and so interesting with so many little marks of where like, you know, something burned or, or, or something, you know, there was a stain in the tatami mat or, you know, the tatami is bristling or whatever that I actually don't mind that. In fact, that was part of why it was such a, a page turner is because there's no, I don't want to say there's no texture, but there's so little texture that you just sort of glide across every panel. <laughs> and yeah. I mean that in the nicest possible way. But if it hits you wrong, it'll hit you wrong. This is very stylized. This there's actually, very there's actually stylized. so many subtle textures in here that it all just kind of washes out. Like I'm looking at page 75, which is this one. And it's just I just I just happen to have it up where I'm just looking at it. And like yeah. the bottom panel, it's like the Woman on the right has a weird texture to her coat and a weird pattern on her bag. The floor's got a strange new pattern, different from the other pattern on the floor. And the ceiling's got an even more different pattern. And then everyone's all various shades of gray. So, like, no one really pops out or, like, recedes. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a very weird... Yeah, but that's like the world, man. <laughs> <laughs> there's, just, there's a lack of decision-making. Uh, beyond just like oh i've got all the characters in a place and like okay let's just let's render it and move on which i think kind of pokes at me a little bit but you know yeah i think we probably spent way too long on that (laughs) aspect of this and it's not like i even i don't even i don't even mind it really it's just like not my not my jam yeah not your bag yeah yeah, it's funny in a, in a, in a, in discussions lately about ai art like i think that's why this hit me a lot too because it's like it's not ai art but it's like getting close enough to it i'm just like eh, there's some decisions here but <laughs> yeah deb i was looking at page 61 and it's one of those rare things where the way the woman looks like she's drawn with very manga elastic faces mm. like more stylized like her mouth mm-hmm. is just wide open and she's just giggling and laughing that tongue is so wide <laughs> so everything wide. seems to be very much based on a real photo right so it's like, oh, yeah. I kind of wish there was more of that. I like that he's not afraid. He, it's, I like that we've entered a cartoony manga where the female character is drawn way more cartoony and elasticy than any of the dudes. Usually it's the other way around. Like all the dudes are like sketched with the left hand and then the, the girl just like 
is it in, is like laser printed onto the page from like waifus.com or something and it's it's sort of great how hideous she is I, yeah I like she's it. she's not car- she's not cartoony just certain elements of her face are cartoony that's the thing yeah because it's just like you can't because i can't while you're draw reading it, no but while you're reading it she's so like messed up it fits her character and what's going on in the scene like it's I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I love it. I actually love her all the way through because she's such a disaster. So like, so like that, that top panel, like what is that expression? Like, like the eyes don't match the mouth at all. Like I don't understand even what they're trying to do. <laughs> and that bottom, that bottom lip, the way it wraps around, like oh, oh, okay, all right. I'm, I'm gonna stop talking about the art because I feel like I could do another hour on it. <laughs> yeah, how did the art strike you? Was it as jarring, the CG influence or aspects? A little bit. I mean, just because like whenever there was like military people coming in, it would look oh, very, yeah. had a different look than when it, they drove other types of people. Like he's clearly mm-hmm. a military otaku, right? So Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of that here. So he kind of like, I don't know, felt like some responsibility to depict it super mm-hmm. accurately. Whereas the rest of it is mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know. I don't know. Like, I don't want to say like it's it's not an interesting style to draw in, right? It just looks like this is a lot of photography. <laughs> yeah. And that he's he's spending a lot of time photographing stuff and drawing it rather than just drawing it, mm. which feels like a lot of more work. Yeah. You, if, if you look at the double page on on sixty eight sixty nine, like that perspective, you would never draw that in comics, where you get both the like underside of the like. Out hand washing station in the shrine, and then the like, like he's that's a photo, that's like a photo trace, and that's it. That's what you're talking about. Like this, this illustration and this style would never exist without photography. I was initially thrown off by the first introduction of the military guys on the color pages in the very beginning. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes Ajin Demihuman, which we read a volume or two of, I don't know, eight years ago, would do a similar thing with when it comes to like real technology or you know real hardware and things like that but i think that the storytelling of it kind of grew on me more so than the actual art did because there are some fantastic jokes in here that are well drawn or well executed depending on the joke there's some like really good setups and really good timing like everything with him hiding from his neighbor and then like jumping through the gap in their apartment and all that stuff was yeah killing me i think the pacing of it Something really fun. I'm laughing my ass off at that. <laughs> yeah. I bought this from, I got this a little bit early, actually. There was a sale that Dinpa did on Twitter where you could you know, DM them and they would send you a copy. And, or not for free, obviously I paid for it. <laughs> but I was like increasingly glad as I read the book because it had like the goofy slapstick stuff that Chip was talking about. And then they kept hinting at this bigger, consistent kind of universe, like a John Wick kind of thing where it's like, oh, there's killers but then there's also like a whole killer bureaucracy going on yeah and as they kept adding stuff onto the bureaucracy it got stupider and stupider you know like the guy in the park who's like a retired ninja the breast milk guy the thrown shoe in the bathroom when he's sneaking around the neighbor's spot getting her toilet paper like there's all these like little bits where i'm like okay this guy like he's doing something kind of cool here something that i like quite a bit Mm. deb did you read i am a hero I read only the first two volumes because I'm sorry, Michael Gombos, it's a little bit of a dig on you, but I kind of lost track of the the releases. 
And at a certain point, Dark Horse hasn't done a great job of being consistent about releasing new volumes. So I forget about it. And the next thing I know, the entire series is out and some volumes are out of print, which, Mm. (laughs) you know, makes you go like, ah, I give up. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how the story ends. I did, but mostly, I think largely from a sociological point of view, (laughs) you know. Sociological, okay. (laughs) Well, no, just the part where it's like comparing a Japanese perspective on zombies and an American perspective on zombies. Like an American Mm -hmm. perspective on zombies is, holy shit, this is why we got to have guns. This is why we have canned goods. So we'll be prepared when the the zombie apocalypse (laughs) comes, right? Whereas in Japan, it's like, oh shit, here it comes. And only this one guy has a gun because he has a permit. And everyone else has to figure out, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with these things? Burn it with fire, but we don't have flamethrowers. You know, like, uh, it's, it's just kind of... So I, I read it from that point of view where it's like how Japanese people deal with crisis <laughs> yeah. versus mm. how American people deal with crisis. And, you know, even the title, right? I am a hero, right? I am the savior of this stuff. Whereas... I just watched Shin Ultraman, okay? I watched Shin Ultraman in a, in a movie theater. And Ooh. Shin Ultraman, like Shin Godzilla, is basically a, a dig on Japanese bureaucracy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> With kaiju. I am a hero, and Under Ninja is basically kind of like the mundaneness of life in Japan and having a job mm. and having a shit job and then trying to find your, I don't know, some kind of agency within all that. It's this sense mm. of hopelessness, this sense of like in I Am a Hero, the guy's a manga assistant. He's not really a manga artist. So he's kind of got the manga equivalent of a shit job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So Yeah. I forgot about that. You know, it's not the glamorous. Like I regularly go to Japan and and I grew up in Hawaii. And there is a Hawaii that you can see by going to only to the beaches and Waikiki. And then there's the everyday Hawaii where I live, right? Where there are chickens in every yard and there's a rusted van and your neighbors have eight cases of soda in their garage with a refrigerator. Just mundane, right? But nobody knows. Mm-hmm. So that I, I appreciate the everyday mundane that Kenzo Hanazawa shows. Does that make sense? It's kind of weird. No, it does. Because, no, yeah, yeah. Go for it, Christopher. What are you going to say? No, no, you're hosting. Go for it. I'm sorry. I didn't. I was just. In, I was just agreeing in a in a big way. Yeah, I was going to say that this is sort of an answer or maybe companion to Ninja Slayer for me a little bit. Oh, see, I which read is that also one. sort of. It's like maybe the most ironic thing I've ever read. Like the. <laughs> <laughs> is it, or do you tell yourself that because story. it's such a difficult book to recommend it's, otherwise? It's both. I think okay. because the high concept is, is essentially Ninja yeah. Slayer was created by in real life in our world, two Japanese guys pretending to be an American guy who found the ancient scrolls of the ninja history. And it's made a series of novels and comic books all about this ninja history, which are all cyberpunk like ninja battles. And there's comics, there's novels, and there's a really poorly received TV show that actually like, they really tell so much people hate it on the back cover copy. It's, it's mostly sprite work. It's pretty bad. But like, it's so much, so many different levels of BS that I was like, wait a minute. Like, I think this is funny. Like, <laughs> hardcore anti humor, like Eric Andre type stuff, you know? Okay. Yeah. It 
it's kind of like people too, right? Where it plays off what people's perception of what Japan is. Like the yes. Russian guy who comes to Japan mm. saying, oh, I want to, I want to be a ninja, you know? And it's- Yeah, the- except it turns out he's a super assassin who's just like <laughs> deeply disturbed. Like it was so good. Like you're thinking, oh, what's this, what's this weird white guy subplot going to be? And it turns out he hides out under cars in a car park waiting for people to pee against the wall so he can slice off their dicks. Like that's the plot <laughs> of this dude. How do you not like- Cackle out loud when that happens, dude. Ch- Chip's Chip's expression right here is so friggin' <laughs> over it. He's so no, over I, it. No, 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 no. I, I get it, and I appreciate that you appreciate it. Uh, oh, yeah. I appreciate you appreciate it. What a cop out. <laughs> I want to hop in and say, like, this scratches an itch for me because, as someone who reads how American comic people depict Japan, like most famously the X Men arc where Wolverine goes to Japan. Oh my God, that that whole arc effing bugs me. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, no Japanese woman wears her hair like that. Give it a yeah. effing break. <laughs> no, yeah. oh, just, oh, oh, ninja, what the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I, I did a whole comic strip called The Wolverine Movie was like, if Kamen Rider came to America, and then <laughs> dealt with ninjas, cowboys, and I don't know, and Tom Is it Cruise, like bikini girls, or something. Bikini girls, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> ninjas, good. cowboys, and Tom Cruise. I think you've got a movie pitch there. Yeah, that's a that's a movie and a half right there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll I'll give you that comic strip. <laughs> yeah, please do, please do. Put it in the show notes, Chris. Fingers crossed. Uh, what I was going to say is that Ninja Slayer is so ironic and like levels of BS that it's hard to recommend. But this is just like one level of irony, one level of BS. And I think I can see why Chip would bounce off it just for the same reason I can see why Deb and Christopher would be more into it. Because it like scratches a very specific itch, maybe. Mm. Yeah. This is a wee book. The loudest truck in the this world is- just drove by. <laughs> yeah. This is like a big otaku book. Maybe that's part of it, actually. Like... The humor in here is the kind of humor you get in like really marginal manga and anime series. Like we haven't done, we still haven't done a really weeby, like I've been kidnapped into another world and my whatever, like the closest we got was uh, Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun, but that was at least like Mm. stepping back and making fun of the tropes at the same time. But we've never really, oh, maybe Witchcraft Works picked and that's kind of like pretty weeby as well. Yeah. Definitely, but, like, yeah. but we haven't we haven't gone we haven't full, gone full weave. yet. Full weeb. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've got to recommend books this week, so this is your chance to go full weeb. Oh, I refuse. <laughs> I feel like that's David's role on the podcast. Have you <laughs> oh, seen no. this piece of trash? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Brutal. they're great. This is great and clearly trash, but like good, yeah. you know, chef's kiss trash. This is <laughs> definitely. I don't think I would say trash, but yeah, trash taste like exploitation books like they're all in kind of this big bucket for me yeah there's this thing where like it's a little bit gross like you wouldn't really want to tell your mom about like the sex toy jokes but (laughs) at the same time like it's still pretty funny (laughs) like it rides a very fine line that i appreciate yeah i think we should probably do final thoughts let's go christopher deb and then chip christopher what are your final thoughts about under ninja i think Maybe the only hiccup I had was the military scenes. And we haven't talked about that a lot. It starts sort of in media res in this like 
you know, sort of gruesome anti-terrorist operation being undertaken by, you know, special military forces. And they get there and they're just about to get the terrorist and he's already dead and he's been like sliced, you know, in half. And then we find out what led up to that and what happened after that sort of halfway through the book that gives context for just how deadly these ninjas are and what, you know, what is expected of our protagonist just in the last maybe chapter of the manga. And that was maybe the discordant note, the actual serious plot part for me. It was like, oh, that was that wasn't just a, we're trying to show how bad us are. This is going to affect the plot going forward. That's wild, actually. <laughs> and that was maybe like you're getting serious ninja antics into my uh, funny story about you know the mundanity of life in Tokyo in 2023, or I guess 2022 when this was written. So. That was a little bit weird, but then, you know, you just kind of roll with it. Like they do lighten it up, like the female ninja who's there, who's invisible, giving from some perspective kind of makes it wacky a little bit again. I don't know. I think if you take this fully seriously or fully like a joke, it's going to not work. But yeah, I think if you can just sort of, I don't have a good analogy here, but it is a good, you know, popcorn movie of a book. Just like, don't think about it too hard, but also treat it you know, you know, engage yourself with it, try and get engaged with it. And if it, you know, it doesn't hit you the right way, it doesn't hit you the right way. But I was also the guy who didn't mind Chuck Austin's 12 issue war machine run. So it's like, yeah, he's just cranking this out and I get to read it every week. I'm not paying for it. I work at a comic book store. This is great. Other people did not feel the same way. So uh, your mileage. To be clear, this is much better than that. I, I think this is much better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Deb, how about you? What are your final thoughts on Under Ninja? This is such a David Brothers, Ed Chavez book. It's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Like, this is our genre. <laughs> it hits all the sweet spots for you. Yeah. And I don't even know if I can explain that in a few words why. <laughs> but it, it was fun. I mean, it was a fun read. I don't know if I'll read the volume two because I feel like I got a good taste of it. I'm not mm. intrigued enough by the mystery of what's going to happen with the Russian guy, mm-hmm. what's going to happen with the this military stuff like the plot in itself hasn't really gripped me to want to find out what's going to happen next but mm. it was a fun ride and it mm, i think it'll, it's it's worth checking out cool on a couple different levels right <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on beneath the surface maybe there might be a medium amount of things going on beneath no. and chip how about you what's your final thought i've come around on it a little bit during our discussion this always happens to all of us. It's so funny. I know, I know. <laughs> but also, uh, shocking no one, I completely disagree with Chris about the <sighs> military scenes. Because even in my first read-through, I'm like, this is the funniest part to me. The fact that it goes from this, like, like he's even more hyper-realistically depicted those scenes mm-hmm. than everything else. And that, 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 that makes the mundane stuff kind of funnier, just, just in comparison. And, and also, like, the thing that bugged me at first that eventually made me laugh is when the soldiers say the word ninja, they put it in quotes. And when they say the word sword, they put it in quotes, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. That kind of cracks me up. So, yeah, Under Ninja, um, uh, maybe my favorite book of the year. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that was my final thought. That works for me. And my final thought is... Deb is absolutely correct about this being like a David genre book. Like there's something about 
this kind of story where I w- I'll just check them out. Like if you have a pitch that's kind of similar, I'll see what it, the first chapter is like just because. And when it hits, like it really hits. And for this one, for me, I think it hit in was it page 30 or so when he had to get the lady the toilet paper. Yeah. And it was so yeah, awkward yeah. and weird and stupid that I was like, okay, like they are being really serious about being goofballs. And something about that just always like, it makes me more open to laughing at the jokes they're telling versus, you yeah. know, like having my guard up and you know, trying to figure out what they're doing. And it goes in so many different directions too. Yeah. I don't know if I loved it as much as Christopher. It sounds like this is maybe one of his top wow. three books of his life. But <laughs> no, wow. I think I did like it a little more than Deb. I'll definitely read, you know, volume two and keep, you know, keep following it for as long as they're willing to make it. But will you go back now and give I'm a hero a shot? Actually, yeah, I want to, but it's like brutally out of print. And my local bookstore, which I live like maybe two, three blocks from, doesn't have any copies. So I got to kind of poke around a little bit. But this did make me want to revisit the old work and see what it's like now that I've got some distance from, you know, zombie overload. Mm. I suspect it'd be, it'd be a fun time with maybe less humor than this one. I feel. No, it has, it has a lot of humor. Hmm. But also a lot of it's a lot grosser, at least in the first volume. So yeah, that in good actually, and bad ways. I should have brought this up during the episode proper before my final thought. But one reason I wanted to read this so bad once I found out Hanazawa was doing it was I like when I find a book and I almost click with it, and mm. I can feel like this is this is kind of my thing, but just enough not my thing to not keep pushing. <laughs> and that's what I am a hero was. So with this one, I was like, oh, what if he gets it this time? And it felt like much more up my alley from the beginning. So I was kind of, I don't know, reading books I don't like often gets me in trouble, I think, if I don't dislike them enough. I'll keep circling back and trying again and again and again. Okay, yeah. It's just yeah, that's true. So it's cool. it's like it's like it's like dating, really. Because it's like, ah, do I like them enough or not enough yeah. to, yeah. And there's different, like, styles that, like, you kind of, you're drawn to. I don't know. Yeah. Building your taste over the course of a lifetime is a really interesting thing to me. And it's been fun with manga explaining, kind of throwing everything at Chip and sort of contextless. Like, we'll tell him when something's archival or historical or important, but we're not reading all those first. Like, it took us two years to get to Rose of Versailles, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we're still building like a vocabulary. And I don't know, it's a good time, fun podcast. We're going to take a break, listen to an ad, and then get right back to it. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And we are back. I don't have a good segue from that ad break. The last one took a lot out of me. So we're just going to get right to picking books. (laughs) And I think... I'm going to go first this time and then call on Christopher and Deb just to mix it up some. Not because I want to rig the game or anything, but because I have kind of a weird pitch, I think. Ooh. So my day job is at Viz Media, which publishes you know, like Naruto, One Piece, all of like the Shonen Jump stuff. And part of my deal with myself with this podcast was not recommending books for my day job, in part because it's a conflict of interest, but mostly because it's kind of like homework a little bit. 
Yeah. Like happy to read them and talk about them, but like I don't want to bring it to the podcast myself. But after four seasons of doing this, the only person who really cares about this is me. So I'm going to break <laughs> my rule for the first time because there's a series we haven't talked about that I like a lot that has like a 50-50 reputation. A lot of people love it. A lot of people are kind of like, ah, it was my bag and it's not my bag anymore. And hmm. it is Taito Kubo's Bleach, which is Shonen Jump, one of the big three Shonen Jump series back in the day. And I was reading Bleach in Shonen Jump around when it first started. I remember getting the first few you know, magazine chapters and buying the graphic novels and whatnot. And it was really my bag. It's sort of almost like Jimmy Hewlett does manga a little bit. Like yeah. Very funky oh, okay. styles, cool yeah. fashion, like the weird proportions that Hewlett does, kind of the same thing. I lost track over the course of the series. There was like an arc that kind of bummed me out. And I realized there was like one cool moment per volume. So I kind of stopped reading for some years. But because I had a Shonen Jump subscription, I could just still flip through Bleach every week. And I noticed that the drawings were getting better and better and better. And before I knew it, I was reading Bleach again. And so basically my pitch is I want to talk about the first arc of Bleach, the very first volume. And I want to talk about the final volume of Bleach so you can see the difference that happens in a long-running Shonen series. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Because we did Naruto, which has great drawings at the beginning. And he gets so much better over the course of that series. But we yeah. can't ask you to read 72 volumes of manga for the podcast. How many, how many volumes is Bleach? Like, 74 what's the total. So, so, so we'll read we're doing one, one and 74. We're going to do one in volume 55. So we'll the very first volume and the first okay. volume of the final story arc. The okay. final story arc right. is 20 volumes. He announced that the series was ending and then went on basically a four-year victory lap, drawing one last cool scene for all the characters. Amazing. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And the contrast between the two is really striking. I think it'll be a fun conversation. The It's meant for teen boys, so it's only going to be so deep. But I think there's some resonant stuff in there, too. Mm, but mostly, right. like, the drawings get me really fired up. I have a bunch of screenshots on my iPad, you know, from years mm. and years ago of just the end of this storyline. And I think comparing the two will give us a really fun time. And maybe a manga explaining first. All right. Bleach Volume 1 and Volume 55. Taito Kubo, Shonen Jump Classic. Very good pitch, David. Let's see if Chris and Deb can match. Yeah. Christopher, yeah. what you got for us? Oh, I gotta go? Okay. Well, I am really enjoying how hard Chip bounced off of the humor of Under Ninja this week. Because <laughs> if you go back and listen to the episode where you recommend it, man, he was so into that high concept. He was so mm-hmm. into that pitch. He was like, oh, this is going to be my favorite. I'm only not picking it first because I, I want, you know, I, I we're, we were actually worried we weren't going to get the book in time. And then delays. Yeah. And so, and then talking about how we haven't read a truly weeby book either. And continuing my choice of wanting to pick books that the internet is going to go, oh, snap, I can't believe he picked that. I recommend... Pop Team Epic. <gasps> wow. <laughs> Okawa. Yeah, that's that's what I want. That's what I want from the whole internet. Pop Team Epic is a fun collection of four-panel gag comics. It is okay. was adapted into a very bizarre anime television adaptation situation. It is very steeped in otaku humor. And some of the stuff I think you're going to find works on its own. And some of the stuff requires a kind of an internet sensibility, (laughs) hard air quotes on all that (laughs) to really get. 
And I just checked and it's available digitally as well. So you got we've got no excuse. There's two, there's Pop Team Epic and Pop Team Epic 2, which is the sequel. I want to do something fun too. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to get Chip to do it or not. But first volume of Pop Team Epic is only 112 pages. I would really like us to also watch the first episode of the anime, which adapts <laughs> these four panel comics into animated sequences that are anywhere between like 30 seconds and five minutes long. And just compare and contrast and see how humor translates, you know, from one culture to another, from one medium to another, from one medium to one culture to one culture to another, which we'll see in the anime as well. I think it could be really fascinating. And I actually really like Pop Team Epic. Like, I would put it on and just cackle when it was coming on. Even Andrew liked it. And he was like, what are you watching and why are you making me watch it? But then by the end of the episode, he's like, okay, we can do one more. So I think... (laughs) It'll be great. And I'm just going to like read the, the first tagline, Pop Team Epic, so you can see just what you're in for. All right. So you think that Papuko and Me are just typical, cute, sweet teens? Think again, sir. Oh, for them. <laughs> Ask millions of fans in Japan and abroad. These girls are nasty, vulgar, and they don't take shit from anybody. Pop Team Epic. Wow. I'm, I'm going to have... It is... Either going to be the worst or best episode, and I can't wait for it. I can't wait. It is a stiff drink, I gotta say. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Dev. Now I'm nervous because there's no way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk <laughs> either of this. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. As usual, you guys picked the manly stuff, so I feel like I got I to gotta balance this out. But mm, so hard because there was... There's so many other great manga I think we should talk about. Oh yeah. And it's oh it's agonizing. But okay, I'm in the spirit of David saying let's do something weird and different. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to do a, our first webtoon. Oh what shit. <laughs> what are you making us read? The Boxer by JH is a oh. it's basically it's kind of like Hajime no Ippo turned upside down. All the tropes of Hajino Ippo, the stern but nurturing coach, the young, bright-eyed, arrogant boxer who is uncommonly gifted with a lot of heart, all get turned upside down with this series. You start the first chapter and you think, oh, it's going to be this story about this guy with spiky hair who is a really talented high schooler who is a boxer. And then comes chapter two, and you discover, oh, the guy who's normally considered the villain? Uh, the guy who is kind of kind of dead inside, but he's extremely powerful. This guy becomes your hero for the rest of the series. Mm. And it's beautifully stylized, but action-packed. It defies your expectations. It keeps you reading. I think it's really fascinating. And when they first announced it, Yen Press announced that they were doing a print edition, I was curious enough to read the webtoon. And I spent money on this thing. I binged hmm. the entire series, and that is not cheap because it was a hundred something chapters. But it's great. I loved. I love everything about it. So I think you should check it out because it's it'll. It's really masterful storytelling, and I'm a sucker for a sports manga. Let's just say that. Let's give it a shot. So you said there's a print edition. Are we reading the print edition of the webtoon, or are we reading the webtoon? We are reading the print edition. Okay. It's formatted in pages, not in vertical scroll. You're welcome to okay. check out the vertical scroll because I think the way that the transitions work in the vertical scroll is fascinating. But yeah. to compare the two and see how they've made it work in a printed page, 
think is also an interesting conversation to have. All right. Okay. Wow. I mean, you're all trying new things, and I appreciate that. This is actually a very hard choice. God, it really is. Chris, I'm going to give you first position here, Pop Team Epic, mostly because Deb audibly gasped when you said it. <laughs> I got a whoa out of David as well. Yeah, yeah there's a whoa, but like the gasp is what really sold it. Like she actually. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, as you know, I have an internet sensibility, so I should I should enjoy it. Okay, so so I think a second is going to be Bleach because I've heard a lot about it and selling it by saying Jimmy Hewlett does manga. That's a great way to sell it to me. And also the fact that we're doing one in fifty five, like yeah, yeah. In a normal week, that would have been my top choice. Deb, I'm putting the boxer last, and it's only as punishment to you for basically spoiling the twist in it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's true, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you think more. it's going to be this, but guess what? It's not. This guy's the main guy. Oh, well, thanks, Deb. No, no, so that's you're being punished. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> true. But I'm still punishing you by putting you in mm. third place. Sorry. But it does sound good, so I'm I'm actually really interested in reading it in the webtoon format, too. So, yeah, so good picks. Like good it. picks, gang. Pretty good. Christopher, I do have a question about your pick. Do you recommend reading it in one sitting like a book or in several sittings over the course of a few days? Oh, there are four panel comics all the way through, right? There's no. Yeah. And maybe I think that's a really, I think all humor, if you're vibing with it, keep going. And if you're not vibing with it or you like hit a good point. And I think maybe I was thinking about that with, because Nichi Joe just ended and the last volume Nichi Joe was everywhere when I was, when I was in Japan last Mm -hmm. and we read city and I kind of read it all in one sitting and I feel like the humor, like I wasn't, I was out of sync with it and it sort of, some stuff hit up and some stuff didn't hit up. And I feel like if I'd taken more time with that or come back to it when I was in like a different headspace, it might've landed differently. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, yeah, any four panel comic is the kind of thing to dip in and out of. And honestly, the best way to read pop team Epic is to have, is to have been online five years ago and have people like clip individual four panel comics and post them to like your reddit forum or your like discord chat or whatever like that's the actual ideal way to to read that the second way is like there's a book dipping it out if you're feeling it if you're vibing just keep going if you're like that was pretty good or i was i I hit a bad one it's like reading a garfield collection you know (laughs) if you're a dedicated fan you pick up the newspaper every day to read garfield and if you're Buying the trade, like the collections, you got to savor it because that was months worth of work, years worth of work sometimes if you get a good old treasury edition. So, so yeah, dip in and out. But the episode, like it's without pulling a Deb and spoiling it, <laughs> you got to watch the whole episode, which is two 15 minute episodes back to back, even though it seems like you don't need to. That is all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right. Such an it's, ominous recommendation. It is so. It <laughs> is such die. an ominous you recommendation. Watch both episodes. <laughs> I can't wait until we the episode comes out where we announce that we just have that logo or like the the book cover on Twitter and all, yeah. all the replies. It's going to be if Twitter's still around. I don't know. It's going. It's going pretty bad over there. <laughs> yeah, I love. Yeah, the trios of books we always pick are always so good to me. Like just the variety and the sheer lunacy of putting them back to back to back. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we do a good podcast. But I think we should so. do shout outs and get out of here. 
All right. Let's do Christopher, then Deb, then Chip. No, Deb has to go first. My shadow isn't ready. Oh, Oh. okay. Then Christopher is unprepared, so we'll go with Deb. (laughs) I am unprepared. (laughs) As always, I have recency bias. So the last book I read is The Gay Who Turned Kaiju by Kazuki Minamoto. It's a one-volume manga from Yen Press, and it's about a high school boy who is gay, and he's kind of heartbroken when he overhears his favorite teacher talking disparagingly about those gay Mm. people. And in his despair, he turns into a kaiju. Turning into a monster apparently empowers him incredibly to say whatever's on his mind. It's a really Mm. interesting book. It's funny it's it's kind of heartbreaking in some ways but it's an interesting parable about i guess keeping secrets and how keeping that secret can torment you mm. but how you can find redemption later by confronting those fears and the way that people misunderstand you it sounds really deep but it's really funny go check it out <laughs> <laughs> i actually nice. got sad there for a second because i forgot that we weren't still recommending but i thought we were just going to keep recommending books for chip to read and i'm like oh i really <laughs> wanted to read that actually but maybe that will be we can um, still recommend it yeah at some point at some point we should but you know, uh, should call your shot recommend it next time yeah yeah there you go no i gotta i've, I've recommended too many dudes this season already i gotta i gotta <laughs> i gotta not do that for the next book but we'll see i can call my shot for next time go for it what do you got my Next Life is a Villainous All Roots Lead to Doom, Volume 1. Ooh. Oh, really? Ooh. Yeah, you wanted to do Isekai, so we're going to go and read one of the actually good ones. No, by, by the time that rolls around, I hope that, you're, I hope that you forget <laughs> that we Yeah, that. we'll see. <laughs> Christopher, do you have a shout-out? You know, I actually don't. Kind of knee-deep in work right now. Oh, actually, you know what? <laughs> Okinawa is available by Susan Mohiga. The book that we, we serialized amongst my extra is up for pre-order on Amazon. So put that in the show notes. Yeah, go go pre-order a copy of Okinawa. Nice. We're putting the finishing touches on the book right now. It goes to print, comes out in July, probably at San Diego Comic-Con. It's looking real good. It's looking real, real good. I'm very, very proud of it. Everyone has been doing an amazing bang-up job, including the designer Kayla is just knocking it out of the park. So nice. yeah, that's exciting. Cool. Nice. Yeah, pretty excited. Chip, how about you? What do you have for us? Not much. I I started watching Slow Horses on Apple, which is like a, a British spy drama with a a few laughs here and there, starring Gary Oldman as like a nice, an old kind of a, a loser, a perpetually farting spy. And <laughs> it's about his division. The Slow Horses, which are all the spies that have done things wrong and are now in this shitty little building. And it's funny, when I recommend it to people, they're like, oh, I was going to get into that. I was worried it was going to be you know, kind of too slow. And I'm like, oh, they should have changed the title. Like, they shouldn't have called it Slow Horses, because it's only six episodes and actually a fair amount happens. I, I like a TV show that's only six episodes. So yeah, that's I'm my kidding. recommendation if you want something that you can kind of get in, enjoy, and get out. The English was six episodes too, I think, right? Something hmm. like that? Oh, I haven't, I haven't watched that. Oh, oh wow. man. Maybe the English should be my sub shout out. It's on Amazon Prime. It's really good with Emily <laughs> right. and Jessica Spencer, I think. Mm. Fullest okay. dude in the world. But my actual shout out is gravity weighted sleep masks. Like if you have mm. trouble sleeping at night, mm. which I mm. do, like getting to sleep is not too bad. Staying asleep is kind of a thing. I've been using sleep masks to try to stay asleep a little bit longer. They've been working. But a friend was like, if you try to weighted sleep mask, which is basically a bag of glass beads that you strap to your face. Mm. And like it works. I sleep much longer at night. It's much more restful. I wake up feeling, you know, rested. I don't really wake up in the middle of the night too often anymore. 
Oh, that's nice. Wow. Yeah. And it's weird. It definitely feels like having a bag of sand like on your on your face for a while. But yeah. like once you're asleep, you're just asleep, and whatever magical science it has really works. So, yeah, wow. if you stay up too late reading and you need to get to sleep and stay asleep really quickly, weighted eye mask. It really works. All right. A, a shout out on top of your shout out. I may have mentioned yeah. this before, but I really got into a thing called knighthoods a few years ago, which are like, you, you know, like the old picture books of like the old man coming down the stairs with his like candle and his like nightcap on. Yeah, it's yeah. that. It's like a nightcap. It's got a little tassel on the end, but it's like smooth bamboo fabric. And you just, uh, just pull it down over your eyes. Oh, so it's nice. like a sleep mask, but not just a mask. It's like a hat. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. like so it doesn't come off, and it does, you don't feel the strap because there's no strap. It's just like gently pulling this, this bamboo thing oh. over your eyes. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I find it much better than any kind of sleep mask. The only problem awesome. is eventually the, it stretches and wears out, and you got to get a new one. But yeah, well, it's, at least it's, it's made of bamboo. Look, yeah. I've got the gravity blanket. Mm. Yeah, same company. Yeah, yeah, which is which is oh. quite nice. A lot of sleeping problems on Amaga's plane. I was going to say something. With the Under Ninja, we didn't mention his hoodie that oh, zips yeah. up. And I thought, oh, that's if that this manga ever becomes really popular, that's the next low-stress cosplay out there. Mm-hmm. It's super <laughs> Spider-Gwen oh. vibes. Like when you can go to every, any con and see Spider-Gwen hoodies everywhere, it's like the same kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's less of a girl so i don't know if it'll take off to quite the same extent probably not we shall see (laughs) it's funny the only cosplay i've ever considered as an adult is fat gum oh my hero academia (laughs) he's got that like badass all over hoodie and they actually sell that now and i'm like yeah i'll rock that i'll I'll own being out there being fat wearing this hoodie it's it's a cool yellow hoodie it's very you know (laughs) very street fashion (laughs) i don't have a link for it for chip who doesn't know what i'm talking about (laughs) No, I'll throw it. I'll throw it in chat so you can. Well, I'll throw it in show notes, but I'll throw it in chat so you can see it later. Nice. Yeah, sure. I'll wear an under ninja hoodie too. That's a cool looking hoodie. <laughs> and you know what? It'll probably keep you asleep longer too. It all kind of yeah, probably back together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Manga Explaining. We will be back next week with more manga that we're gonna explain to the best of our ability. Catch you next week. This has been Manga Explaining, episode number 88, Under Ninja. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing Goodnight Poon Poon by Inio Asano. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our show notes and complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Check out our newsletter and digital publishing endeavor at mangasplainingextra.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode.